This message is from Icon, from Community, Icon Church. Community Church. Icon is a church located in Metro located Atlanta. Located in Metro Atlanta. Atlanta. Defined by grace, grace, grace community, community, and renewal. renewal. Community and renewal. For more information, please visit our website at iconcommunitychurch.org. At iconcommunitychurch.org. Or follow us on Facebook. Instagram. A Twitter. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Icon family, Icon friends, I'm Pastor Daryl Ford, and we are in very uncertain times. Uh, We are always concerned about not only what's happening with the coronavirus, but those in our church and those in our families and those in our communities who are exceptionally vulnerable. And so for those people, we are praying. Uh, We are looking for ways to be able to support them. Uh, We also are praying for the medical community. We have those in our church and again, those in our networks who are working feverishly just to be able to help their neighbor and help our cities, our communities, and this nation. We again are sitting and we're, we're, we're dealing with such uncertainty and oftentimes uncertainty can bring not only uh, fear, uh, but bring even further real panic. And so the question that we have to answer, what do we do when we're in uncertain times? What do we do when we're struggling for real hope? We're struggling with our faith. We're struggling to believe that God is good and that God is in control. And so the text that we're going to look at is one that uh, we've all been sharing, we've all been finding hope in. Uh, it's one that uh, we, we will often quote when we are struggling and we're not quite certain of what is coming our way. Uh, we're going to look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 7. And before we do that, I want to start with the very first verse of that chapter. Because we often jump to that seventh verse, but you know, here at Icon, we believe context matters and what, what's happening around this text. Who are the people that are listening to this letter being read and who, who's the person that's writing this actual letter that helps us understand what God's intending to communicate. And so when you look at uh, chapter one of Second Timothy and you look at that first verse, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, he says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Friends, family, this is such a very telling verse. And the reason why is when you consider who's writing this and consider where this person is, This is from the Apostle Paul, and you may not know this, but this is the last letter Paul will ever write before he is put to death. At this point in time, Paul is waiting for his sentence of death to be acted out. He's waiting to face certain death. I just want to ask you, where would you be if you were sitting in his shoes? What would you be feeling if you were sitting in a cell waiting your death? What would you be thinking? Even more so, what would be your last letter? Who who would you write that letter to? And what would you actually say? When you consider where Paul is, if there's anybody who has, we would all understand, anyone feeling a sense of panic, knowing that death was coming. We would not be surprised at all if even in little bouts and little times where someone feels, uh, I, I just don't know if I, I'm so frustrated that I don't have the power 
to change my situation. I'm so frustrated that I don't even have connections to anybody that could actually change my surroundings, that could change my circumstances. And I, I just wish I could write somebody to help change uh, my outcome. Or maybe it's, I just can't get a sense of, of love. I don't know what it means to serve. I'm not even thinking about serving anybody else because I'm so frustrated with this certain doom that's coming my way. Or maybe even it's, I don't know how to think any other way. My mind is overrun with panic. My, my mind is overrun with all of the potential horrific things that may come my way. None of those things would be surprising. As human beings, this is something that is kind of part and parcel of, of kind of the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of the human experience. We wouldn't be shocked if we knew that someone was feeling this. And yet, when you consider how Paul responds, Paul is writing to his protege, young Timothy, someone that he had discipled, someone that he had poured into, someone that he had shared and helped perfect the faith of this young man and trained him to be a pastor in Ephesus and left him there in Ephesus to lead this church. So here Paul is in a position where he's looking death in the face. He's not in uncertain times. He's in a very certain time. He's looking at certain death. And then he writes this letter to Timothy and this church. They are facing very uncertain times. They don't know exactly what's uh, happening at the time. They're not certain about what will come their way. They know that Christianity is under attack. They know that the Roman government leadership in, in Rome is coming after several Christians. That's why Paul is getting ready to be put to death. They know that there are possibilities, things that may come their way, but it's not certain. And they don't know. And they're probably doing what we are prone to do. When there's uncertainty, I fill in the blanks with all the things that might come my way. And when I fill in those blanks, I have an emotional response that often looks like fear and panic. And so Paul writes to Timothy. And when you think about who Paul is and you think about where Timothy and this church is, we should be able to see some sense of connectedness here. We should feel some thread uh, in which we can find ourselves. There's something about this letter that should speak to us. It's very poignant. And now we come down. When you skip past that and uh, you look at uh, what, what Paul uh, walks into, he spends some time encouraging Timothy and telling him the things he remembers about his time with him. And he remembers about their testimony. And then he gets to verses six and seven. He says, therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Family, when we think through what it means to deal with fear, and by fear, I'm really talking about the ways in which we would uh, look at the word panic, right? This, this, because please understand, there, there's a fundamental difference between being fearful and being cautious. There's a big difference between panic and just precaution. It is extremely wise to listen to those who have authority, to listen to those who have expertise. It's, it's definitely a wise choice to listen to experts and scientists and doctors. But it goes to a different level when our precaution and us being cautious moves into faithless panic. And see, here's what faithless panic looks like. Faithless panic happens when we construct a future for ourselves in which God is not good and not in control. That's what panic is. 
When we start suffering from these forms of emotional panic, oftentimes it's because either A, I may believe that God is good, but I just don't believe he's in control. And so because I believe he's good, he wants good things for me. He wants to to continue to to conform me into the image of his son. He wants to change my heart so that it loves and leads and lives like he does. But he's, but, I, but I'm, something about my life tells me he's just not enough in control. I, I'm so worried that he's not in control. Now I'm just thinking the randomness of life is going to overtake me because God must not be on the throne. Or it's the other way. I believe that God is in control. I just don't think God cares much about me. So, so he's, he's a controlling God. He's sovereign, but he's not good. In much, in, in, in much in the way that the Greeks would think, about God, right? God was, uh, he was, he was transcendent. He was above everyone else. Uh, the gods as a whole, they were, they did their own thing. And whenever they wanted to uh, just enjoy themselves, whenever uh, they wanted uh, something would tickle their fancy about the humans, they would descend down, do whatever they wanted, have their fun, have their way, and then be gone again. It's a very Greek way of thinking. And yet for us, we have to ask ourselves, do I believe that God is both good and in control. Because if I don't believe both of them, then I will succumb to a form of fear that looks like panic. I'll succumb to a way of thinking that says that God is either A, not in control, or God is not good. Which leads us to this, this, this uh, antidote that Paul gives us against fear. He says, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Well, what has he given us then? He's given us power, the spirit of love, and a sound mind or sound judgment. Now you think about power. When you think about who this is again, Paul writing this, if there's ever anybody who understands power, it's Paul. And so if there ever was anybody who could say, Lord, why don't you just display your power again and rescue me? See, Paul doesn't do that, which tells us that God's goodness is not necessarily uh, contingent upon outcomes that we determine to be good. And that's the hard part, right? Because most times when I think about what's good for me, I assume or I almost uh, lay that at God's feet and say, hey, by the way, I want this to be good for you, God. I want you to determine that this is good for me, God. And so when that doesn't happen, then I assume you're not good. That can't be the way we look at God. We can't look at God and say, well, you know, because honestly, there are people who, who, and many believers who are functioning this way too. I, I shouldn't say many, but there's a, there's a number of believers that, that do believe that because God is good, therefore, I don't need to worry. I don't need to be concerned. I don't need to be precautious uh, because I've determined, I've defined God's goodness as uh, the things that I determine to be good for me. That's what God has determined to be good for me. And so there are folks who have said, you know, even though experts have told us uh, to, to practice what's been uh, called social distancing, because we've been told to practice uh, maybe some, some, some habits that we need to, some of those habits we should have always been doing. We need to have a separate sermon about why washing hands should have already been going on. Uh, but j- washing hands, right? Keeping a distance from people. Uh, we don't do that just because we're worried about ourselves. We do that because we want to love the neighbor well. And so those practices should be things that we should jump at and go, hey, if there's a better way to love my neighbor in the midst of this uncertain time, 
We will absolutely do that. And yet there are those who would say, no, I believe that if God is loving me and God is for me, then it doesn't matter what, uh, what, the, what science says. It doesn't matter what the experts say. We will still uh, meet, gather, and not take any of those precautions. Listen, y'all, there's a difference between faith and foolishness. There's a difference between being faithful and then testing God and almost tempting him to have to perform a miracle. It wouldn't make any sense for us to, uh, we actually talked about some of us here at our church were talking. It wouldn't make any sense for us to say, I believe that God wants good things for me. And so therefore, if I jump off of this building, I believe by faith, just because I know he loves me, he will not allow gravity to have its way. That would be foolishness. That would be silly. We, we, faith doesn't mean I'm going to tempt God into having to perform a miracle. That's not what we mean by faith. And so don't call people fearful if they choose to take precautions. But when you consider what Paul is truly saying, Paul here is someone who knows uh, full well that God's goodness is not even wrapped up in whether or not he gets to be delivered specifically. But Paul realizes that in order for him to practice this very gospel he's been preaching, it has little to do with what he gets and everything to do with what he gives. And so for him, he's going in the midst of certain death. All I want to do is know how I can love you all well. And so the thing that he gives for for the people at Ephesus, the Ephesian church, the thing that he gives for his young young protege, Timothy, this incredible truth he gives is this. Remember that God has not given you that spirit of fear, that spirit of panic. He's given you the, the spirit of power, the ability to remember and know and live in God's power, the fact that what it is that you need and when you're facing uncertainty does not exist inside of you on your own. What you need in order to deal with these kinds of things, the power that you need to remember the things that are true about God, they come from God. They don't come from us. And so God has given you. You didn't create that on your own. We didn't create it. We didn't think it up. We didn't plan it. God has given us the spirit of power but he also has given us the spirit of love. What does it mean then to love? Because see, that's what Paul just uh, displayed, right? Paul is, again, there in his cell waiting for death. And what he does out of his love for Timothy and his love for the church, he says, I love you too much to leave you not trusting in the God who saved you. I love you too much to leave you not believing that God is good and that he's in control. And so he leaves him serving him. You see, beloved, we need to be in a position where we're going, yes, things are very uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't know uh, the, the impact it's going to have. I may know some family, friends, even myself. I may have uh, been affected by this on some level. I don't know the full scope. I don't know what God is doing. I don't know how things are, are going to land. I may not know any of those things. But what I do know is that this is a time where the church those who profess faith in Jesus, we actually have a mandate by God to love each other well. The scripture tells us that people will know who God is based on our love for another. So so on some level, on a huge, deep level, we need to be in a place where we're going, Lord, okay, things are hard, things are different, things are difficult. Father, give us wisdom and help us learn what it means to love each other now. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, right? It's, we've got to come up with some creative ways to be able to love one another. 
We've got to create, come up with some creative ways to, to know how to meet each other's needs. We've got to come up with creative ways to be able to, to meet somehow with each other and encourage each other. Because listen, we all are struggling with faithlessness on one hand or the other. Some of us are struggling with faithful, uh, faithlessness, uh, again, with believing God is good or believing God is in control. And we need to be reminded. We need to preach it to ourselves. We need to preach it to each other. And then we also need to be serving one another. So God's given us that spirit. That's not just coming from goodwill. That's not just coming from uh, us just resolving to be loving. We are loving because of the one who loved us. We are loving because it's the spirit of God that's been impressed upon us. And then finally, this last thing that Paul tells Timothy. He tells him that he gives, that God has given us the spirit of power. He says he's given us the spirit of love. Then he says he's given us the spirit of sound judgment. Some translations, sound mind. Other translations, discipline. When you consider what those words are, the word that's used there is a Greek uh, combine word. It's a combo word of two words that simply mean this. The first word uh, means uh, salvation, salvaging, saving, changing. And the second word is this word that's used to describe a logical framework, the ways in which we are prone to think the ways in which we're prone to respond, and in some ways, the ways in which we're prone to feel in reaction to. So God has given us the spirit of a changed, renewed way of thinking. That should sound very familiar. The scripture says in Romans, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's something that actually God promises to do. Now, why do we need to have our minds renewed? Y'all, you know, for us, how are we prone to respond when things, uh, when things are uncertain? We're prone to respond in panic. We're prone to respond filling in blanks with all these things that are frankly very faithless. And so we need something else to remind us, to, to charge us and even convict us in those times where we're not believing who God is. We need to regularly engage this idea of our minds being changed, of our minds being uh, molded and refixed and remade to believe that God is good and in control yet again. So what does that mean then? Well, it it totally depends. For many of us, right, we've been paying close attention to the news. We've been paying close attention to social media. We've been uh, paying close attention to what our family and friends say. And let me say this, none of those things are wrong. None of those things are bad. I don't think it's, I'm not necessarily of the opinion that we should be vilifying the media or vilifying social media for that matter. But what we need to do is ask ourselves this question. To what degree does my engaging with the news enable me, A, to be aware so that I can take proper precautions, because that's also a part of sound wisdom and sound judgment. But also to what degree does it enable me to, to love my neighbor well? In other words, to what degree does, does it enable me to do the three things that God promised to do for us? Does it make me feel powerless or does it make me lean on the very power of God? Does it make me feel more loving and caring and compassionate or does it make me shrink back so that I no longer am able to love my neighbor well? Does it make me think the right things about who God is and engage further in knowing that God is both good and in control? Or does it make me shrink back and make me think less about who God is and more about my fears and my insecurities and my uncertainty? This is what real sound judgment 
should look like. This is what a belief in God's power looks like. This is what love should look like. So here are two ways that we are encouraging you to engage this time. Two big action steps in order to to determine, Lord, how do I engage your power, love, and what it means to have sound wisdom, sound judgment, a sound mind. The first thing we would say is this. Pray more than you post. Pray more than you post. Listen, there's nothing wrong, again, with social media. There's nothing wrong with posting things in order to be, for people to be aware. But be very careful about what we post and why we're posting it. If we're posting it just to bring about uh, panic or if you find yourself, look, y'all, sometimes misery loves company. If I'm in a position where I'm powerless, I want y'all to feel powerless too. So I put stuff out there to make everybody feel powerless or everybody panic. This is not time for emotional crabs in the barrel. Okay, this isn't the time if you see someone who seems to be looking for encouragement to pull them down back in the barrel with you. That's not the spirit of God. And so be very careful before we post. Make sure we're prayerfully doing this. Pray. Your prayer life should be far more frequent than your posting life. So pray. And then secondly, serve more than you shrink. Serve more than you shrink. This is a time for us not to, listen, we can be paralyzed by fear. Someone else in our church brought this up. Fear and panic can be paralyzing, largely because our desire to self-preserve can be paralyzing. And so because I'm so afraid and I'm so focused on preserving self, I can't even step outside of myself. And now I'm paralyzed from actually helping and serving. Serve more than you shrink. Look, there are some things we've got to do differently. And, and there's no, we, we can't be certain that everything we do will be the right way to do it. We try to use wisdom. We listen to the experts. We listen to uh, the medical, uh, those who have medical expertise. We do all those things. But ultimately, our goal is, Lord, I want to serve far more than I'm shrinking. I want to serve uh, the people in my community, those in my church, uh, those uh, around the world if I can. If there's any little thing that I can do to serve, I want to be about that. That needs to be where our hearts are. That needs to be what motivates us. Family, this is the time. We've heard many people say uh, things that, again, not wrong. People will often say, listen, this is such a great opportunity for the church. This is a great chance for the church. I think it's far greater than that. I think that we need to use words that that convey a, a, a stronger sense of urgency. We don't just have an opportunity. We don't just have a chance. We have a mandate to actually be the church. Yes, we are practicing social distancing, so we're not able to uh, gather. We're not able to go to church. But we've long said that you don't go to church. You are the church. And this is our chance to actually be that. This is our mandate to actually be that. And so with that, we want you to be encouraged. We want us all to be able to say, Lord, help us to fight for real joy. Help us to indeed believe that you've given us that spirit of power. Let us function in that power. Help us to believe that we're called to still love each other. Don't let uncertainty be an excuse to love self at the expense of loving others. And Lord, we want to believe. We want to hold on to this idea, this fact, this truth that you've impressed upon us, that you've changed and are changing our minds. So y'all, any time that your mind goes in one place, we need to be pulled back. Anytime that our minds start jumping into these places of faithlessness, we need to be pulled back. He's not given us that spirit of panic. He's not given us that spirit of fear. He's given us the spirit of power, of love, and sound judgment. 
Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the ways that you show us over and over again how committed you are to displaying your love and remaking us so that we can love in the manner that you do. Father, as we think through uh, the things that can give us uh, reason for concern and even further, reasons for panic. God, we admit it. We confess it. We, uh, Lord, as we think about confession, this, this ability to say the same thing about our own uh, faithlessness that you would. God, we confess to you that there are times when we lack real faith. Father, we confess to you that there are times that we uh, lack real power. There are times when we lack real love. And Father, there are many times when we lack sound judgment, sound discipline, sound reasoning. And yet, God, in the midst of our faithlessness, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our panic, we are so thankful that while we were yet sinners, you still came and died for us. While we were yet faithless, you still came and rescued us. And so in rescuing us, you promise, you promise to give us a spirit of power. So Father, where we feel powerless, give us your power. When we feel unloved or we feel unloving, give us your love. When we feel unsound or our judgment is all over the place, Father, give us your mind. Give us your mind in order to remind us of who you truly are. Father, throughout all of this, I pray that we would know what it is to love your people, your fellow image bearers, but even more so, Father, that we, we would have such an enlarged view of who you are, what you do, what you promise to do, and what you promise to finish. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Icon Community Church. Please visit us online at iconcommunitychurch.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.